In each of our lives, there is so much out of our control. Life keeps moving, changing, rearranging. It can be overwhelming. Sometimes we find ourselves in a good situation, sometimes not so much. And let's be honest, sometimes we have no idea what's going on. But in all of this, you can always control one thing, your attitude. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 tells us to rejoice always, to pray continually, and to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. Jesus modeled unconditional gratitude time and time again. During good times and bad times, Jesus was grateful. Even when Jesus was crucified, he saw beyond the circumstance to a much greater purpose. You have a greater purpose in God. And with God's help, no matter the circumstance, you can have an attitude of gratitude. Hello, Unite. Thanks for coming out tonight. I'm so excited to be here. Um, it's just been an amazing night. Every Tuesday is so amazing, but there's just something special about tonight. I don't know if it's the Torx cooking or, or Joey and Allison joining us for worship, but it's just been amazing, and I'm excited to see what God continues to do here. Um, so my name is AJ Friends. I'm going to intern at Unite, and I'm so excited to finish off the series called Attitude of Gratitude. So two weeks ago, Mark kicked off the series by talking about having an attitude of gratitude when things are good. Mark talked about how the world is full of chronic complainers, but he, he made sure to point out that no matter how good we have it, we will always find something negative to focus on, something to complain about. And that when this happens, he em emphasized the importance of having an attitude of gratitude when things are good, because this is ultimately what pleases God. Now, last week, we had the honor and privilege of hearing Cora, who is the mastermind behind this entire series. She gave her talk about having an attitude of gratitude when things are bad. She went through the sufferings of Joseph, Job, and Paul, and it made us realize that we can, have, we can depend on God through all things, even when we're at our lowest of lows. And this is why we can have an attitude of gratitude towards the cross. And tonight, I'm going to be talking to you about the cross. More specifically, having an attitude of gratitude towards the cross. Now, it might come as uh, a surprise to some of you that I'm the one giving this talk. Um, it's a surprise to me, too. To be honest, I did not want to give this talk. That's probably not what you want to hear, but I can assure you that God had different plans. So ever since I heard about this topic of the cross, uh, it really stuck with me. It, it, it was on my heart and my mind, and I really couldn't stop thinking about it. I didn't do anything about it. I kept making every excuse to why I, I shouldn't or couldn't give this talk, wasn't qualified, didn't have enough time, all these things. But, but every excuse ended up being pretty bad. Um, I'm, I'm in classes two times a week, don't have a job during the school year, um, and, and no other major time commitments, although Kayla would disagree with me on that one. Um, we won't talk about that, though. But really, there was no reason why I couldn't give this talk. So during Mark's talk at the beginning of the series, God convicted me. He made me feel guilty. I hadn't said anything, hadn't even tried to give this message a try. So I said, okay, okay, God, I'll go home. I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'll write some notes down and just see what happens, see what you're telling me in this time. If nothing else, it'll be good for my spiritual life. So needless to say, this led to a meeting with Mark. And in this meeting, I went in hoping I would just give Mark my notes and that he would be the one to craft some amazing sermon for you tonight. Um, but, but we can all see that that's not what happened. It became clear to the both of us in this time of meeting that what God was putting on, on my heart was true, that it was valid, and, and that ultimately I had to be the one up here giving you this message tonight. And I also know it's not a coincidence about uh, that the same week that the church is kicking off their series about the cross leading up to Easter, 
that we're giving this message about the cross tonight at Unite. This just shows that God is working through the whole church, not just Unite, not just Sunday church, but the church as a whole, and it's amazing to see. And it just shows the importance of these messages that we're sharing, and the cross is no exception to that. So let's get into it. So if you were at church this past Sunday, um, and I encourage you to watch this if you haven't already, but we heard Pastor Wally kick off the series of the cross. He went through the history of the cross, what crucifixions looked like, and, and he shared how the cross became the symbol of Christianity as we know it today. So if you weren't there, I encourage you to watch, watch it. Um, but he kind of did the dirty work for me. He did, he did kind of the intro towards this series. So it flows super well into this, this message tonight. So I'm going to start with the crucifixion of Jesus. Now the story of the crucifixion appears in each of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, but the one we're going to focus on, the, the most thorough and detailed version, appears in Matthew 27. So the story of the crucifixion starts when Jesus is accused of blasphemy and the government makes the decision to put him to death. Um, now, now Pontius Pilate is the one who's supposed to approve of the execution, but Pontius Pilate has no grounds to sentence Jesus on. I mean, Jesus was perfect. There was no reason to sentence him or put him to death. It was the people who wanted Jesus to be killed. And, and Pontius Pilate caved to the people's wishes. So Jesus is publicly beaten. A leather thonged whip with pieces of iron and bone chips were tied to the end of the thongs, and, and this whip was used to beat Jesus, causing severe wounds, severe bleeding, um, bruises, and just pain that we cannot imagine. Jesus was mocked. He was struck in the head with a staff. He was, he, he was spit on. He was stripped naked, and the crown of thorns was eventually forced into his head. By the end of this part alone, Jesus was too weak to carry his own cross. They made him try, but he was unable to get it to the place of the crucifixion. Simon had to carry it for him. So they eventually made it to the place of the execution, and a drink was made as was common practice with crucifixion to help alleviate the pain that Jesus was suffering, to help him get through the next steps and, and uh, through the crucifixion. But Jesus denied this drink. He accepted the pain and he accepted the suffering. So as we know it, the stake-like nails were driven through his, his wrists and his ankles, and this is ultimately what secured him to the cross. A sign was made that tauntingly read the king of the Jews, and this was hung on the cross above Jesus' head. The cross was raised, and Jesus hung between two convicted criminals. Jesus hung on the cross for about six hours, and during that time, the soldiers cast lots. They essentially gambled for his clothing, um, while people passed by shouting insults and scoffing at him. It was even to the point where the criminals who were being crucified next to Jesus were throwing insults his way. Darkness eventually covered the land, and Jesus proclaimed that it is finished. He bowed his head and handed over his spirit. As Jesus gave up his spirit, an earthquake shook the ground, ripping the temple veil in two from top to bottom. So most of you have probably heard this story, or at least an abbreviated version of this story, and, and this is, in my opinion, one of the most influential and historic moments in all of human history, let alone the Bible. And now we're going to watch a short video that takes what we just summarized and really puts it into perspective exactly what happened to Jesus. This is one of the most influential and inspiring videos that I've ever seen. And it's inspiring in a weird way. You're not going to see it at first, but, but we'll talk about that later. So this clip is from The Passion of the Christ. Some of you may have seen this, this movie before. Um, and I have to warn you that it's an R-rated film. Um, 
because of the scenes we're about to watch. So just prepare yourself for that. Let's watch. They say a picture is worth a thousand words, and I always assume a video is supposed to be worth more. But every time I watch this video, it leaves me speechless. Like, what am I supposed to say to that? It's hard to watch. I know it is. It's not supposed to be easy to watch that. But it's important to recognize exactly what Jesus went through on the cross in order to truly appreciate what we can gain from that today. 
So your first thought about after hearing uh, the summary through, from Matthew and watching that video probably isn't that of gratitude. I can almost uh, guarantee it's not. This doesn't seem like an instance where we should, we should be grateful. Uh, common feelings are often guilt, often shame, often sadness. The list goes on and on in how you might feel. And, and I can't tell you that your feelings are wrong. They're probably justifiable. But I can assure you that the crucifixion of Jesus is something that we actually need to rejoice in and be grateful for. Jesus dying on the cross definitely deserves our gratitude, and so does what resulted from it. Now, I have to be clear, and I can't forget, that there are very, very important events that happened after the crucifixion, including the burial, the, the resurrection, and the ascension into heaven where Jesus sits today. These are all super important, and this is the season we're living in. We're, we're in the season of Lent. We're coming up to Easter. These are all very important parts of the Christian faith. But for all intended purposes of this message, these all started with the cross. They all started with the crucifixion of Jesus. They wouldn't be possible without the cross. So the cross is a symbol that stands for all of these miraculous events that happened afterwards. And this is really where our gratitude needs to lie. So we've covered our first topic. We, we know now how Jesus was crucified, and I hope you, that you know more details about it than you did coming in tonight. But now we need to look at our second topic, is, is looking at what we can gain from this. What do we gain from the cross? What did the cross do that, directly, that we directly get to experience today? Answering this question will help in understanding why we need to have an attitude of gratitude for the cross. So the first reason we need to have an attitude of gratitude towards the cross is because the cross gives us salvation through Jesus Christ. The cross gives us salvation through Jesus Christ. So if you attended last semester at all, you, you might have heard me give the talk about Jesus our Savior. Um, and in that message, we kind of summarized the, the path to salvation and what salvation really meant. So I'm just going to give a brief summary because that fits very, very well here. So this message started with the idea that we are all sinners. There's no denying that. We're all sinners. And because we're sinners, we're destined towards a death. And this death is an eternal death, also known as hell. And this is because we sin. Let's make it clear. Sin leads to death. But then Jesus comes along. God showed his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, he sent Jesus Christ onto this earth to die for us. He sent Jesus to the cross. And this is what we're here talking about tonight. It's not of yourselves. You didn't do anything to deserve this. You didn't do anything to deserve this salvation. No, this is a gift from God. There's nothing physical that we can do to assure our salvation. This isn't works-based anymore. What you have to understand is the power of the cross. This is where Jesus' blood was shed for us. And if you believe that, if you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you, this is when you're saved. This is when you have salvation. This idea of salvation as we know it today is only possible because of what Jesus did on the cross, what we just witnessed on the screen. Now, this whole thing can be summarized further in, in John 3, 16 and 17. John 3, 16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is just an amazing verse full of truth, full of hope, and really full of life for the entire world. There really is a reason that this is the most well-known and most, most quoted scripture probably in the entire Bible. I probably could have read you that 
And, and without telling you where it was from, most of you would have known where that was from in the Bible. But this verse truly encapsulates all that the gospel is. This, this summarizes the story of Jesus, the story of salvation in such, such simple terms. It's perfect. God loved the world so much that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to the world. He wasn't sent to condemn the world. He was not sent to condemn the world. Although this condemnment would have totally been justified, the world was full of wicked and evil people. But he was sent to save the world through himself. And we all know that the only way this can be true, the only way we can say that John 3, 16 and 17 can be true, the only way that this comes to fruition is because of the death of Jesus on the cross. And this is what we can be thankful for. So this summarizes our first, um, first reason to have an attitude of gratitude towards the cross. The cross gives us salvation through Jesus Christ. So the second reason we can have an attitude of gratitude towards the cross is because the cross gives us a reconciliation with God. The cross gives us a reconciliation with God. So what do I mean by this? I mean that Jesus was sent as the once and for all sacrifice so that we can, be, we can receive forgiveness and be made right with God. Jesus was sent as the once and for all sacrifice so that we can receive forgiveness and be made right with God. So whether you want to admit it or not, and I'm sure most of you do not want to admit this, we, we all carry around an incredible and oftentimes overwhelming amount of, of shame and anxiety and fear with us. Now most of the time this is due to guilt. And, and, and this is not uncommon, and it actually makes sense because of what we just talked about. And this is the idea that we, we are all sinners. We all sin, and we feel guilty for that. All are guilty, and this has moved people to try and seek relief from the, the physical, the mental, and even the emotional uh, trauma and damages that this causes. This is a problem that has plagued generation after generation and is only becoming worse in recent days. Just take a look around you. And this has led people to turn to so-called remedies. They call them remedies, but they're just the opposite, let's be honest. Whether, it be, whether it's alcohol, whether it's drugs, pornography, other sexual immorality, social reform, or new philosophies or social ideas that attempt to affirm that what you're doing is right, what you're doing is okay, when it is obvious that it's not, it is destroying you. It goes against everything the Bible says and everything the Bible teaches. But we, say, we hear and we say, everyone's doing it, it's okay. Trust me, it's, I'll only do it once. It's what makes me happy. That's all that matters, right? If I'm happy, God's happy. No, that's not how it works. And, and this is just a vicious cycle because this sin leads to guilt, and we're overwhelmed by the guilt, and we want to get rid of the guilt. So we turn to these things. We turn to things that are more often than not sin to, to alleviate the guilt, and then that leads to more guilt. And it's just this never-ending cycle until it's the point where there's no escape. All these things have been tried, and they've all failed. These remedies fail because they don't do what the cross does. They don't remove the cause of the guilt, which is sin. The cross goes to the root source. It takes away the sin directly. It removes that sin. It is no more. These other things attempt to deal with the sin, and I guess you can say they do that, but they don't eliminate it altogether. 1 Peter 2.24 reads, He himself, here it's talking about Jesus, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so the, that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. 
So here what Peter is saying is that Jesus heals us by taking our actual sins and placing them on himself. Jesus takes our sins. They're not on us anymore. They're on Jesus. Now, Jesus doesn't excuse them or, or hide them, sweep them under the rug, save them for later, uh, try to justify them. No. Jesus eliminates them. Our sins were put to death when Jesus was put to death. They are no more. They're gone. Jesus was the perfect and innocent lamb who willingly took upon all the sins of all people for all of eternity. This is not a symbolic sense. This is a literal sense. He took our sins and then on himself, and then he offered up himself as a sacrifice on the cross in order to make a payment for all of our sins for all of eternity. And this is really what the cross is all about. This is where we're forgiven. This is where we are able to come into a loving and meaningful and beautiful relationship with God. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever I know I'm not where I need to be with my faith, when I'm not where I need to be with God, it's because I forget what I just explained to you. I forget that Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice, the once and for all sacrifice for all of my sins for my entire life. When I feel far away from God, it's not God's fault. It's not God's fault at all. It's my fault because I'm holding on to something. I'm holding on to something that I'm refusing to let go. Whether it be sin, guilt, shame, some type of baggage, there's something that I'm holding on to. But then I remember what Peter says. That Jesus bore our sins on the cross. He, he bore my sins on the cross so that I can die to those sins and live for righteousness. And that's just so beautiful. It is by Jesus' wounds that I am set free. And it is by Jesus' death on the cross that I am forgiven. That I can be made right with God. My sins died when Jesus died, and that is why I can be thankful for the cross. We're getting there. And that was two. All right, on to our third reason. So the third reason we need to have an attitude of gratitude for the cross is because the cross has the power to create a desire for righteousness within you. The cross has the power to create a desire for righteousness within you. So when thinking about the cross, it's nearly impossible to not think about God's deepest goodness and purest justice. Just in pre preparation for this talk and, and just the research that I've done, it, it's made me realize, this is going to sound like um, some of the things we've already talked about, but that's okay. It's made me realize that we worship a God who took upon himself human form uh, as Jesus, and he entered humanity in order to suffer the punishment for the sins that I committed and which, quite frankly, I deserve. I deserve every bit of, of, of the punishment I, for those sins. But this is the exact standard or, or example for righteousness that was set for us. So in Titus 2, 11 and 12, it says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Before the cross, before I knew Jesus, I craved evil and the pleasures of sin. We all did. But after the cross, after I know Jesus, I hunger and I thirst after righteousness now that I see what perfect righteousness does. I learned to say no to the ungodly things that once controlled me and that are still all around me. Those temptations haven't gone anywhere. They're still everywhere. But I have the power and more importantly the will to say no because of the cross. In addition to this, the, the cross makes me want to abandon my weak attempts 
at, at goodness and self-justification, doing things for myself, making, making uh, or doing things to make myself feel good and to make myself look good. No, that's no more. It makes you want to do good and, and be righteous because he is righteous, because Jesus is good and righteous. So if you're in my community group this past week, uh, shameless plug, it's not too late to join. If you're in my community group this week, we talked about this quite extensively. Um, we looked at the example that Paul set in Philippians. And, and Paul's goal in Philippians was to gain Christ, to be found in Christ and Christ alone. He wanted the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Now, it was, it was Paul's dying wish to become as much like Christ as he could. He wanted to chase God. He wanted to chase Jesus in every asset of his life until his death. Now, he, he wanted to be like Jesus. He didn't want to be Jesus. He wanted to be like Jesus. And, and he knew he would never get there. It was impossible for him to get there. He knew that. But it was still his goal to be just like Jesus in every way possible. And it was only by the cross that he was able to do this. It was only by the cross that he had an example to follow. The bar was set for him to attempt to attain it. And this is, another, this is the last reason we need to have an attitude of gratitude towards the cross. The cross gives us a desire to want to be righteous and do what is righteous. Now, these three things are only a sliver of the takeaways that, that we can recognize from the cross. I had a laundry list of things I wanted to cover tonight, um, but even fitting these three in this talk was long enough. So, so, but these are the three main ones that were on my heart. These are the three main ones, and all the other ones seem to stem from these ones. So I really hope you can find an attitude of gratitude towards the cross because of what it does for us, because of these three things. So has everything I've talked about so far made sense? Be honest. All right, I'll take it. <laughs> no one said no. So now I have some homework for you. What good's a lesson if I don't give you some homework, right? Um, now, it looks like we spoiled it. I'm going to call them action steps because homework implies that you're not going to make time to do it. No one makes time to do homework, right? Homework's something you do when you have time, I guess. But I'm going to call these action steps because in the next couple of days, I want you to actively uh, make time in your schedule to do these things. So the first action step I have for you. When you pray, include a portion in your prayer when you show gratitude for the cross. Now, notice how this says when you pray, not if you pray. Now, I understand there are a lot of Christians who go to church regularly um, who, who are strong Christians, but prayer is not an important or essential part of your life. I'm not here to tell you that, that that's okay, but I'm not judging you either because I've been there, trust me. So first and foremost, you have to pray. But when you pray, make sure you do this. So this is going to come in different words and different forms. Everyone's going to say this uh, a little bit differently. But tell God how thankful you are for the cross, how thankful you are for Jesus' blood that was shed for you on the cross. Thank God for the hope, the salvation, the victory, the forgiveness, the love, the reconciliation, and everything, just the freedom that you have in Christ Jesus. This is only possible because of the cross of Christ. So adding this step is not easy to remember. It's going to be awkward at first. It's going to be hard. You're not going to know what to say. But I can assure you that once you get it down, once you start doing this, you're never going to be able to say a prayer without doing this. That's going to be amazing. So that one's easy enough, right? I think we can all handle that. 
So the second action step I have for you is to take time to find out exactly what the cross means to you. Take time to find out exactly what the cross means to you. So finding out exactly what the cross means to you is going to help you tremendously with having an attitude of gratitude towards the cross. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to go home, find a quiet place, a place away from every distraction in the world, your phone, your computer, everything. Take time to be alone with God. You need you, God, a pen or pencil, I guess, and a piece of paper. That's all you need. And I want you to sit down and just have an intimate time with God. And by the end of this time, I want you to write your thoughts, uh, write what's on your heart, write your prayers, write everything about it, but focus on the cross. And by the end of this time with God, you can have a phrase, a sentence, a paragraph, even an essay as far as I'm concerned. Uh, that would be amazing. But this should tell you exactly what the cross means to you. Put it in concise words. And, and once you have this, don't just, you know, crumple it up and throw it in the trash or don't never look at it again. This should be something that's always with you. This should be something you memorize. This should be something you fold up, put in your pocket, your wallet, your, your purse. Um, take a picture of it so it's on your phone. Uh, type it into your notes. Do whatever you have to do so it's always with you, that you always have access to it. And use this as something to reflect on throughout the day. When you're having a rough day, go to this. It'll, it'll remind you who, what, I guess, uh, just about everything about the cross. So I don't want to just set you loose on this one because that really wasn't much guidance, I'll be honest. But to give you some guidance or examples of what this looks like, I, I reached out to some of the prominent spiritual leaders in my life this week. Um, and I asked them without much context towards this message what the cross meant to them. So I'm going to read you some of what, my, what they said. So first off, we have Stephanie Benedict. Um, and Stephanie is a woman of God if I've ever known one. Um, I asked her for just a few sentences, um, and she sent me an entire book, it seems like. Um, so I'm just going to read it and give it a shot. So what does it mean to surrender my life, to take up the cross daily? Jesus was the optimal model of servitude. If I'm going to follow in his footsteps and participate in his mission and suffering, it means I will be carrying the same burden, the cross, he had. What was his mission here? Yes, Jesus died on the cross so that we did not have to endure what we deserved, but what did he do or accomplish as he walked on earth? He proclaimed the way, the truth, and the life. My cross to carry is to live and love like Jesus. By leading and serving to proclaim the gospel in my sphere of influence, whether at home or in the far corners of the earth. To discipline and help others to step into a relationship and deeper understanding of the complete Bible and how Jesus is the ribbon thread throughout all of Scripture. I am to walk in the power he has given me, praying and preaching and proclaiming as I go. My mission is single-focused. With the help of the Holy Spirit, I am to bring all things into alignment with the life and salvation of Jesus Christ. My plumb line is to become so kingdom-focused that my speech, my work, my relationships, my life, all point to glorifying my Savior and not myself. If people look at me and see Jesus, then I have accomplished the deepest desires of my heart, and that is my testimony. That's beautiful, right? I expect nothing less from each of you. Just kidding. Um, but hey, if you can, you can, right? But this is amazing though, right? It's beautiful, and it truly shows just why she's one of my spiritual leaders and one of the spiritual leaders in my life. So next off, we have John and Marilyn Bright. 
who Will Bright knows quite well. It's his grandparents. Um, so these two are just amazing spiritual leaders. Um, they are on fire for the Lord, if I've ever known any couple who's on fire for the Lord. They love Jesus. They want you to know that they love Jesus, and they want you to love Jesus just as much as they love Jesus. It's amazing. So Marilyn Bright says, the cross of Christ means being made right with God because of Jesus' death on the cross. Once and for all, Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament bloodshed sacrifice payment for sin. Rather than being separated from God, Jesus' death on the cross invites us into a forever relationship with him. So, before the cross was a symbol of death, for the believer it is a symbol of life eternal. I will live forever with Jesus. That's another beautiful example. And finally, John Bright, who's married to Marilyn, um, says, what does the cross of Christ mean to me? Proverbs 18.10 says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Jesus Christ's death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead has forever given me a symbolic picture of that strong tower where I can run to it for safety in a world that is not safe. Every day I seek Christ's forgiveness by placing my sins at the foot of the cross. The hymn and the cross of Christ I glory reminds me that an ugly symbol has become my salvation. Just another beautiful example, and this is just to, to help inspire you to do the same exact thing. So the final two we have for the night are Mark and Holly Knutson, who some of you might know or might know the name at least. Um, but first Holly says, the cross is the fabric that knits everything together into the peace and hope that transcends all. It connects my now with my forever, and then because of that, the cross makes everything on this side of heaven truly matter. It's amazing. And then Mark says, <laughs> that was not planned. I couldn't find it. There it is. I put it in the wrong order, I promise. He said something. He said something. <laughs> the cross to me, <laughs> sorry. The cross to me is a forever reminder of God's unconditional love and grace as he willingly paid my debt for the punishment of my sins. And that's just perfect. That really summarizes everything we talked about tonight in one little sentence. Now, I can't say enough good things about these people, and I am so thankful that they were uh, willing to help me um, prepare for this talk and give you an example of what the cross means to them. Now, you're probably wondering what the cross means to me. So here goes nothing. The cross gives me access to an eternal life in heaven through Jesus Christ. It is by the cross that I gain salvation most importantly, but also freedom, peace, hope, love, forgiveness, and the list goes on and on. This allows me to not worry about the stress or, or the things of this world and the things that once consumed my every thought and desire, but it makes me focused on the inheritance that awaits me in heaven. It is my life's goal to make sure that the message of the cross is heard by all so that everyone can come into an intimate relationship with Christ. Now, this is very hard to come up with. It's not as easy as you might think it is. It was much harder than I thought it would be, and, and this was probably the hardest part of preparing for this entire talk. But doing this helped me so much in appreciating the cross and having an attitude of gratitude towards it. So I talked to Taylor, and we want to hear from you what the cross means to you. After you complete action step two, we're going to put something out on social media. I don't know what it's going to look like yet, but we're going to give you the opportunity to tell us and the rest of Unite what the cross means to you. So keep an eye out for this opportunity in the next couple of days. Is everything okay? Cool. So 
The final action step I have for you tonight is to take up your cross. Take up your cross. So when I tell you to take up your cross, I mean this in, in two different ways. <clears throat> the first way is the way that Jesus taught on several different occasions. Uh, this was kind of a reoccurring theme throughout his teachings and his time on earth. So in Matthew 10, 28, Jesus says, Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. So first of all, this idea of taking up uh, your cross could be made into an entire uh, message, probably an entire uh, series. So come back next semester, because I think that'd be pretty cool. But this is just going to be a very, very brief and summarized version of what I think this means. So back in Jesus' time, the people knew exactly what this meant. The people knew exactly what it meant to take up your cross. They had vivid pictures of carrying the, the, the convicted criminals carrying the cross to the place of their own execution, um, as we saw in the video we watched earlier. And the reason that this was forced on the criminals is because this was seen as a form of confession. By participating in their own execution, they were admitting or they were at least submitting to the claim that the government had the right to put them to death. So in this passage, what Jesus means is that those who follow him must also participate in putting themselves to death. The believer must die to themselves. They must be willing to let go of their own agendas, their personal dreams, their own ways of living. They must be willing to submit and walk to the difficult path of Christ to the day they die. Nobody can follow their own paths and still call themselves a follower of Jesus. You can't follow your own paths, do things your way, disobey God's calling for your life, ignore the righteous life that God is calling you to, and still follow Jesus. These are, it's not how it works. These are two totally different paths that are going the opposite directions. Forget that stuff. Forget it. I'm taking up my cross. I am proudly taking up my cross as an admission to all the sin, all the guilt, all the shortcomings, all the failures, all the times I've failed God, all the times I've disappointed God, all the times I've disobeyed God. I'm taking up my cross, and I'm going to that place of execution. Jesus, if you're going, I'm going too, and we know you've already went. I'm following right behind you willingly in order to live the righteous life that you have called me to. And this is really my prayer for you tonight. Please take up your cross. You won't regret it. And now the second idea of taking up your cross is, is kind of the more literal sense. And this is really where the entire message comes together. Um, so the point of this message was to transform what the cross means to you. I wanted to go from a symbol that kind of just stood for Christianity or made you think of church and the Christian faith. I wanted it to, to mean something to you, to go deeper than that. So what does the cross mean to you? What do you think of when you see a cross after all we've talked about tonight? You probably don't know this yet. You haven't had time to process this. But after you complete action step two, which I know you all will, right? Awesome. Yeah, that's okay. But after you complete action step two, you will know what this means to you. And this is the final thing I want you to do tonight. I want you to find a way to make sure you see a cross every day. That's easy enough, right? Put a cross somewhere in your life where you will see it one, two, five, ten, twenty, a hundred times a day. Now, this can be a piece of art on your wall, uh, a piece of jewelry, a necklace, a wristband, a screensaver on your phone, uh, a phone case, something. Dare I say a tattoo? Huh. I'm not telling you to get a tattoo, but I don't see the problem. Um, but this is the important part. When you look at it, I don't want it to just be a symbol to you. 
after praying, after studying, after researching this message, every time I look at a cross, it stops me in my tracks. It has truly transformed how I see the cross. It went from a symbol that merely stands for the church or Christianity to something so much deeper. It, it makes me stop and reflect on everything we just talked about, and honestly, so much more I didn't even get to cover tonight. It makes me come to the point where I just stand there speechless and say, thank you, God, for what you did on that cross. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did on that cross. And thank you for the peace and the freedom that I get to, to gain as a direct result from this. Now, I didn't want to give you this last action step uh, without some help. So if you look to the middle of your table, you've probably been wondering about these all night. Um, you see the little keychains. I want you to take those cross keychains and put them on your keys right now if you have them with you. This is just a practical way for you to see a cross every day, right? How many of you don't drive every day? I'm sure everyone does. Now, if you don't like this or it's not cool enough for you, whatever, that's fine. You won't offend me. Um, you, might, you might offend God. He might have a problem with that, but that's between you and him. But seriously, please, take this as a gift. Um, put it on your keychains. Put it somewhere uh, where you will see it every day. And use it to reflect on the meaning of the cross. Now, we covered a lot tonight. I know I did. I think I went a little long, so I might not be allowed up here for a while. Um, but I really want you to take this message to heart. I want you to see the cross of Christ for far more than just a symbol that merely stands for Christianity or the church. But, but I want you to see the cross for everything we talked about today and everything that you go research for yourself. From the place where Jesus died the criminal's death on the cross to everything we get to gain from the cross as a direct result from what Jesus did on the cross. Through all of this, I want you to approach it with an attitude of gratitude. Do these things, and I promise you that it will do nothing but strengthen your relationship with Jesus. So I'm going to call the band up as I wrap things up real fast. Um, so there's one last thing. I promise this is the last thing this time. I lied to you last time. Last thing. I want you to take an extra cross with you tonight. I know there's probably not on your table. We have a bunch in the back. So if you didn't get one, if there wasn't one on your table, please take an extra on your way out. But I also want you to pick up an extra so you have two when you leave here. When I leave here tonight, I don't want to see a single one of those keychains in this room. I want them all to be gone. So after you take time to reflect on what the cross means to you, once you knew, know truly what the cross means to you, I want you to take that extra cross you have and I want you to give that cross to someone else. Someone who probably doesn't know what that cross means. And when you give that to them, I want you to explain exactly what that cross means to you. Tell them about this message. Tell them what that cross means to you. Teach them something about tonight. Teach them something about that cross. The cross of Christ is not something we can afford to keep to ourselves. You think you can handle that? Do you think you can handle that? Awesome. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for this series as a whole. I just thank you for the message of gratitude that we've heard the past three weeks. Just to help us to, to really apply this to every area of our life, through the good, through the bad, and ultimately to the cross, God. Just help us to have an attitude of gratitude. I just thank you for especially this message tonight, Lord, that you would just help it penetrate deep within our hearts and in our minds, and that you would just truly speak to us and tell us what the cross means, Lord. Just make this apparent to us. And above all else, just help us to approach the cross with, with gratitude. 
We just thank you for you, you sending Jesus to this earth to die for us, to take our sins on himself and die on that cross so that we can experience salvation, so that we can have this reconciliation with you, so that we can live the righteous lives that you have called us to, God. We just thank you for the, everything we gained from the cross, from the victory and peace and hope and joy and love that we have in Jesus Christ. We just thank you for it all tonight, Lord. And just when we leave here tonight, don't, be, don't let this be something that we forget, God. Help us to apply this to our lives and, and just help people who are within our lives, people who see us every day, help them see a heart change in us, Lord. We thank you and we praise you. And it's in Jesus' mighty name we say amen. Thank you for being a part of our community opening the word today. We here at Unite challenge you to grow in your relationship with God, to grow in your relationship with others, and to go out and live a Christ-centered life. To learn more about Unite, follow our social media pages or go to our website at mpcc.org unite. God bless. Mm-hmm.